Fierce Fan Media. All right. All right. Oh, no one's going to be able to tell us apart. It's just going to sound like... <laughs> You're the smart one. <laughs> it's just going to sound like this. two versions of me talking. Uh-huh. All yeah. right. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the weekly wind down. It's just me and Jules tonight. Whoop, whoop. Everyone else had... Uh, whatever stuff, stuff. <laughs> bunch of bullshit to do bunch of bullshit like we're not busy <laughs> we're busy okay real busy so um i got several dms on twitter and i got a few on facebook and i apologize i am not on facebook very often so if it takes me longer to respond to you than you like um i only check facebook like once a week probably um, so I'm easier to reach on Twitter or tick, ticky, the ticky talkie. But as I said, we were going to talk, we are going to talk about Ukraine tonight and what we kind of think about it and, um, a little bit of the history about it and where we think it's heading, but we will start with what we're drinking. I'm just drinking beer. I'm drinking Voodoo Ranger. I'm, uh, drinking some Jack Daniels and some of this black apple blackberry cider that's made here in arkansas and it's fantastic the complications of combinations that you matriculate or well it's whiskey with a beer back okay okay (laughs) you try to make it sound fancy yeah a lot of people do that i can't drink whiskey oh i can't drink anything else We went uh, vodka tasting yesterday at a Hangar One in Alameda for um, Chris, who is Stacy, the old school mom's brother. It was his 40th birthday. So they did this like surprise party for him at Hangar One. And we did this like vodka tasting where they did like an hour tour beforehand, an hour to walk around a distillery talking about isotopes and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, just pour the damn vodka. No one gives a shit, yeah. but they do because all his friends are a bunch of engineer and doctors. So they had like a gazillion questions and it was like the quietest group we've ever gone with. Like me and Stacy were like giggling through the whole thing. And we were like, Oh my God, we're going to get thrown out of here. It's like school. Like <laughs> it was just, Yeah. So, but the interesting thing, the one thing that I did think was interesting is the base that they use, um, unlike other thing, other places use like water or potato or whatever, they use wine as their base. So huh. it's a little bit sweeter. Like okay. it's got a little bit of a, a sweetness to it. There was actually one uh, really good one that I bought for Erin when she comes to visit for her to have. So. Um, yeah, it was. It's a little bit more expensive than just like your run-of-the-mill vodka, but right. like, yeah, they use wine as a base, uh, wine from Napa. So it was. It's it's interesting. I'm not a vodka connoisseur, so it could have been much better than what I thought. But what was the place called? Hanger One. Oh, it's on the fancy. old. Um, they have it at the old Alameda Naval Base. Uh huh. So it's in like an old hangar bay, like where Ooh. they had airplanes and stuff. Yeah. So. It was pretty, I mean, it was really pretty, but, and weird to be on a naval base again. Um, but it was, a, uh, yeah, I don't, when I heard vodka tasting, I was like, oh, I'm too old to go vodka tasting. Like that's all. If it's called hangar one, is it still an active airport? Do they still have no. planes coming in and out? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. 
it's um they shut the navy base down in like 96 i think oh okay. so it hasn't been an active like landing strip for the navy since 96 right they put in there's other distilleries there and restaurants and stuff and like um so one of the deals that they made the navy told the city of alameda you can have it you can do whatever you want with it but um Sorry, I have Amber Alerts going off on my phone. Um, you just, you can't knock down any of the buildings because if we ever need the base again, we're going to come back and take it. So they have to keep everything in. Interesting. Yeah, so they're allowed to use the buildings for whatever they want, but they can't change them, change them. Right. So, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I sent you the picture of the view. It's got a great view of San Francisco. Is that where that was from? Yeah. That is gorgeous you have the whole skyline right there that was really really cool (sighs) all right so ukraine oof yeah poor ukraine yeah so i don't want to like get into all the i mean i i feel like most people at this point understand what's happening russia has invaded ukraine in the attempts to take it over or with the intention of taking it over the thought that they would. Um, and we're what, like three or four days into the invasion now. Um, well, they've been saying it's been going on for eight years. Well, eight, nine years. Well, so it started with Russia went in and annexed Crimea and 2014. Right. Right. So, and, um, for people who aren't familiar, because annex actually kind of has the opposite of meaning of what it sounds like. Um, so when they went in and, and took Crimea, that's what it essentially means. Annexed it. Russia came in and said, this belongs to us now mm-hmm. and just kind of folded it into their country without any type of diplomatic effort. Typically, there's a diplomatic effort involved if you're going to annex a region, but Russia just kind of took it. So they took Crimea back in 2014. But this particular conflict started you know, four days ago. So, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on it? I feel horrible for the people of Ukraine. I think it's, it's exactly what people are saying. It's an unprovoked war. It's completely unnecessary. I think I feel horrible for them. I mean, the people now that didn't get out sooner are like, we can't leave now if we wanted to. The gas stations are packed. The traffic, it's taking two, three days for people to just even leave. If, if you're even able to leave, you know, if, if you don't have a bunch of family there or whatever, whatever ties that would be holding you there, people can't leave. And I think it is awful. It is completely unnecessary. Um, and then it also doesn't make sense to me that now Putin is saying he has no interest on even getting to or invading Western Europe. So then what the fuck are you doing messing with Ukraine? I think Putin's an idiot. He's pissing off the entire world. And I was talking about this before we got on is that I think how people feel in like the little receptors in people's brains that it's triggering is a bully. And I think he's being a bully. And so people are people's natural defenses are popping up to be like damn that's really fucked up that he's like he's making people angry by going about it the way he's going about it innocent lives are getting lost I'm glad his economy is shutting down and I feel like 
he's a complete idiot because I feel like it's going to end up coming back on him tenfold. And I was watching the news and they were saying, well, he doesn't care because his family is loaded and they have gold and they have everything else, but he's going to care that his economy's crashing and Russia, his own people, like, again, I was, I was watching TikTok and stuff on the news, his own people in Russia are like, we are not on board with this. We do not support him. He, he's going to lose so much reputability as a leader. And I, I, I hate it. I like hate Putin. I've never loved Putin, but I hate him. He's, he's a big bully. And I think that that's how people are feeling about it. Um, and, and, and what he's saying doesn't make sense. What so, is the point of going to Ukraine if you're not trying to go to Western Europe? Well, and for those that like aren't familiar, so a recap of Russia in the 20th century is in 1992, Russia and Ukraine became the two founding members of the Soviet Union. Um, in 92 and 93, or I'm sorry, uh, 1922, yeah, Russia and Ukraine became the two founding members of the Soviet Union. In 1932 and 33, a famine caused by Stalin's policy of um, collective civilization kills millions of people, mainly ethnic Ukrainians in a country that is known as the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. The disaster is known as the Holomar. Holodomar, Holodomar. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, and then in 41 and 44, Nazi Germany and the Axis of Power occupied the country during World War II. And then in 91, the Soviet Union is terminated via a treaty. Ukraine becomes, an in, becomes independent and begins a transition to a market economy. It also comes into possession of a sig significant stockpile of nuclear weapons that had belonged to the Soviet Union. So effectively in 91, it broke ties with USSR because it was abolished and so that's the first step you see of Ukraine becoming what Putin hates the most as being part of the West, right? Like they start when they're not under communist and uh, authoritarian dictatorship, they're taken into the fold of kind of Western politics, democracy, thought process, stuff like that. So um, Putin takes that as a threat because he views Ukraine as, uh, because it's a bordering country, if NATO can push, if Ukraine ever became part of NATO, which is one of the things he asked for um, back in December saying, or not this last December, but the one before demanding that they never, that NATO promises that Ukraine will never become part of it because NATO was established to protect themselves from Russia after World War II. So yeah. when you hear, and we were talking about it the other day and I was like, it's not NATO, it's something else, but it was NATO. NATO, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just having a brain fart. I've been having those more after COVID. But um, so one of, the, one of the articles in the treaty of NATO is attack on one is an attack on all. And it was formed so that all these smaller countries could protect themselves from bigger countries like China, like Russia, because Russia itself is 10% of the planet's landmass. Like we're talking about a huge country. So there's no ways, there's no possible way Estonia, Lithuania, these little um, 
these little tiny entities would be able to protect themselves from the population or the financial implications or the military that any of any countries like China or Russia had. So NATO was formed. America is part of NATO, is one of the founding members of it. And, um, and NATO is considered the most powerful alliance in the yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's got the, I mean, it's got a shit ton of military funding. It's got the United States. We spend way too much on military. Like it's, it's huge. Mm -hmm. So Putin has always seen that as a threat because he first came into power. He was a KGB Lieutenant Colonel. um, And then he became president. So he was involved when Russia was dissolved, when the USSR was dissolved and became Russia itself, he was working in the KGB and then became president. So his intention has always been to restore Russia to what he assumes is its former glory of the USSR. And to do that, he needs to take back these countries that broke off when the USSR was dissolved and they became independent nations. Ukraine is important because you're talking about 44 million people. It's got the most fertile land in the entire region, which is why it's called the breadbasket of of Russia. Like that's they grow more food there than anywhere else. And as he's seen it moving further and further away from authoritarian and communist regime, he's gotten more and more concerned because if Ukraine ever actually became part of NATO, you're talking about the allied forces could put their troops five feet from Russia territory. And that makes him very uncomfortable. He sees any type of ties with NATO and Ukraine to a direct threat to Russia, which is insane because if we're all in peace, there's no reason for for the, the allied forces to be encroaching on his line and threatening Russia at all. NATO is a defense mechanism. It's not an offensive mechanism. They're not going in and claiming countries. It's just a way to protect themselves. So I've always found that argument, especially when I've been, I've been hearing certain Republicans making that argument. Well, like, yeah, we protect ourselves too. What I'm sorry, if Russia all of a sudden started putting a shit ton of troops on like Canada's border facing us, (laughs) like, like there, there would just be no reason for that. Like I, Right. You would assume that they're going to invade if that happened. And NATO's intention has never been to evade. That's not one. If you read the articles of the treaty or the alliance, they're not a, a, a new world order meant to go in and dismantle other entities unless provoked. It's you have to be provoked to to start the clauses of the NATO treaty. That's so, I guess what I don't understand about this entire thing is I keep reading, you know, it's totally unprovoked. Why do the, the what, what what is his what triggered him to do this and stuff I've been reading about is funny. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like um they're saying Putin's like the ex-boyfriend who's pissed off that the ex-girlfriend is moving more towards kind of Western beliefs in the mm-hmm. UK and stuff like that. And that's upsetting him that people are moving further and further away of how he runs the people of Ukraine are yeah. moving further and further away of how he runs Russia. And he's like getting like that ex-boyfriend syndrome. Like, well, I don't want you, I don't want to date you, but I don't want you to date anybody else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know? think part of the problem is too, because Ukraine used to be part of USSR. I think you have a lot of familial tie overs. I think there's a lot of Ukrainians that are related to a lot of Russians. And when it, again, if we're going to go with the boyfriend scenario, abusive boyfriends, if you let's say 
you live in Russia and I live in Ukraine. And because Russia is only, they have, because they're under authoritarian regime and they have the state run television where like they only see what Putin allows. You're mm-hmm. talking about a country where if you get caught tweeting bad about Putin, you get thrown in jail or killed. Right. Like you're talking about an authoritarian regime. So if I'm your sister and I'm Ukrainian or I live in Ukraine and I'm telling you like, Dude, that's not what Putin's doing. Like, he's not putting all this money towards your resources and building schools and hospitals like Mm -hmm. he's telling you you're doing. Like, let me show you what he's actually doing. That's that's scary for an authoritarian. So he has to the fact that Ukraine keeps slipping further and further away and more into democracy is a is a threat for him because of the familial ties that lie between Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. So I think he's also nostalgic for a world that just doesn't exist anymore. Like we, it, the world that you're talking about, when you talk about the last time USSR like existed, the internet wasn't a thing. Like, I mean, it was, but it wasn't yet. Like today you can open your TikTok and you can see videos from Ukraine. You can see videos from South Africa. You can see videos from Antarctica. Like the world is so much closer now than it ever was before. So I think he had the idea that he was just going to be able to go in, spit his rhetoric, tell people what he, what he thinks in his mind is reality and have them believe it when they're not fucking taking it. And like, I was talking to a person about this the other day and I was like, don't ever underestimate a group of people who feels like they have nothing to lose. That's Mm -hmm. not what Putin's not counting on that. Mm -hmm. He also misjudged. NATO is a bit in shambles, mostly because the United States had a womp womp the last like four years because Trump was such a he had, he was very, very critical of NATO. He, Mm. he threatened to pull out of it. He was very supportive of Putin. Like, oh yeah. Trump threatened to pull out of NATO. What? Yeah. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. He, he thought we should pull out because we contributed more in military than anybody else. Ignoring the fact that like, well, yeah, we're, we have 330 million people here. We contribute more than the UK that has 5 million, like than Britain that has 5 million people. Like, of course we do, you dumb, dumb. But anyway, he was threatening to pull out of NATO. So I think the accumulation of that, plus you got to remember Russia started, has been doing cyber attacks in America since the 2016 election. They have created a lot of this political polarization, which Mm -hmm. is why you see now entire swaths of the Republican party defending Putin Like he started, he started planting all these little bugs everywhere, but what he's given NATO now is a common enemy because he did go into Ukraine completely unprovoked and people, especially when we're living in such like an apocalyptic society with like fucking our democracies are falling apart. The pandemic is still raging in certain parts. Fucking inflation is out of control. Like all of these things are happening. You just gave people a common enemy and something real easy to rally behind. And people love that shit. Mm -hmm. They love feeling good about cheering for something like, and Mm -hmm. Ukraine is the world's best underdog. Like they're because their president is charismatic as fuck. He's in there fighting with them. He said, you see, I was going to say, can we say Zelensky? Okay. (laughs) Put not carrying a rifle. Yeah. You, sir, standing ovation for you. You see people kissing their daughters and wives goodbye on trains, civilians fucking taking up rifles and going to fight. You gave the world the best underdog in the world to cheer against. And you, you are going to reunite NATO. So cool. He's uniting the world, in my opinion. Like he's, and that's what that's what I was saying. He's pissing off everybody. Like the, the underdog, I, I agree with the same. It, it's triggering things in people with a bully. 
Mm -hmm. He's bullying them and it's pissing people off. Well, and he's trying to gaslight. He's going back to the Russians uh and telling them, oh no, they asked for us to be there. They want us to be there. They're welcoming welcoming us with open arms. And the world's going, that's not what's fucking happening. Well, fool, there's TikTok. People are doing live feeds. People are taking- Well, Anonymous took down- so you heard about anonymous, right? Uh-huh. The, it, the um, anonymous hackers. Yeah. So they yeah. took down Russian TV and started airing live footage of the Ukrainian conflict so that Russians could actually see what was happening. He's there. pissing people. Elon Musk yeah. coming in and activating one of his uh, Starlink satellites. Mm-hmm. And if people don't understand how he's able to do that, he, it's, it, it, I don't know if it's all of his satellites. I know the satellite he activated for them. The reason Starlink is so good is because it it goes around the world in a lower orbit to give people internet in remote locations or things like this where the shutting down communication, yeah, shutting down communication. So he's able to activate satellites to give people like them and people in other places internet access, yeah, which is so fucking cool that he did that. Like everybody, everybody, I don't don't like Elon Musk, but that was cool. That was cool. I don't like him either, but that's fucking badass. Mm-hmm. He's everybody. That's he, he's uniting everybody. Well, he, he did it with a tweet too. They were like, "What the hell, Elon? Like, we have no communication here. You could you could fix that with a flip of a button and and set Starlink off and help Ukraine out." And he just tweeted back, "Done." Yeah, like he did it. Done. He he. Putin is uniting people that in no other way would be united. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, you know what? I don't really care for him, but that's fucking badass. That yeah, I agree. That. It's it's bringing out people's humanity. Yeah, which, which we we've been lacking so badly. We've needed it for so, for the last two years. Yeah, everybody's been lacking it. You're right. It's it's giving people a common enemy, and he's uniting the world. And an enemy that feels good to be mad at. Yeah, like it doesn't feel good to be mad at police when they right. shoot a black guy in this an right. unarmed black guy in the street that doesn't feel good no one wants right. it it doesn't feel right. good when you're mad at one of your politicians for sleeping with another 16 year old like that doesn't feel good no it feels good to fuck you vladimir <laughs> putin <laughs> his own people yeah. are posting things like we do not agree with this and we know that he's lying to us like talk about everybody losing faith in you mm-hmm your, your own people. Ukraine was a supporter of Russia. And that's what I think is so asinine to people. Like you, he, th- there was several parts of Ukraine that supported Russia. He invaded them first. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, Cause he was able to set up there. Yeah. Right. Well, but, but it's b- bombed them yeah. still, still threw bombs out and did things to them that who's, um, what, what were they saying? Whose um, language that they speak was Russian. What, mm-hmm. Like he, they supported Russia. Like th- th- what he's doing is so, I don't know what the fuck he's thinking. Like, well, he's thinking, so one of his biggest obstacles, and this is, I am just, I'm making assumptions based on the information I've read. I'm obviously not a Russian expert. This is right. what I believe based on what I've read. Um, I think he's, you know, he's going to be 70 years old. It's kind of like now or never type of thing. And one of the biggest obstacles in overcoming NATO, it was the United States because they do have so much money and military power. We do have the biggest military in the world, hands down 27 times over. We are the biggest military. So he, 
upset the United States. And by upset, I mean, he caused countrymen to turn on countrymen, neighbors to turn on neighbors. He he created a lot of polarization and Putin's not completely to blame, but he put the seeds there for it to grow and sprout and become the clusterfuck that it is now. He got Trump on his side, which was a sitting American president, a fucking sitting American president. And then Angela Merkel uh, left Germany. She was, she was, in, uh, had been running Germany for the last however many years. And she was from the East. She spoke Russian. She was very, she, she had a good working relationship with Angela, Angela Merkel and, and Putin had a very good working relationship And Germany ran her out because she was too progressive. Mm-hmm. And so now her predecessor, who's just newly instated, doesn't really know what the fuck's going on because he's brand new. That's like a terrible situation to walk into. So there was a lot of, he went in when NATO was kind of at its weakest because um, Marcon in France, he's up for re-election right now. The last thing he needs is a fucking war. We're going into primaries. Angela Merkel was just unseated. Like there, if he was going to do it and try to skirt NATO, this this was the best opportunity. He I don't think he anticipated the fucking response he got it. And I also think the miscalculation he made, him and um, Ping in China are very close. Uh, the Chinese president, but he's a fucking dictator too. Like whatever, right. Xi Jinping. And China is another power that you, you no one really wants to fuck with. Like they're capital, their military, their population is like nothing anyone's ever seen. But I think Xi Jinping, what he was doing, because now they're kind of backing off support for Russia, he let Putin go in and see how the world would respond before they did anything. And now seeing this response, seeing the economic fallout, the Russian stock market collapsed by, it came to a total of 58% in a matter of three days. To give people perspective, when we surged into the Great Depression after the stock market collapsed in the 1920s, it collapsed by 25% then. Ooh. 58%. They, they've been eff- effectively bankrupt, like the entire country, because the world is so much smaller now. Everybody's money is tied up in everybody's money. And so I think China sent this out as like a test, a weather balloon mm-hmm. to see like, all right, like before we get involved in any type of geopolitical conflicts, let's see how Russia fares. They're not faring well. Military be damned because the, the sanctions and economic collapse is crushing. So now even China's backing off. And that was his essentially only ally that he had. And China's a big fucking ally. Yeah. That's a, that's a big ally. So, cause you're talking about, I mean, Japan is really, they'd be in a lot of trouble if China turned on them. Hawaii would be in a lot of trouble. Like there's a lot of areas China could reach us Californians if they wanted to like, it's so a, let me ask you a question. I've, I've got two questions. Cause I, you, you know, way more about this than I do. Do you think, and I don't know if this is totally off base or not, but it was something that I read uh, as far as Putin thinking this was the perfect time. Do you think it had anything to do with us uh, right now getting the majority of our oil from Russia and yeah. uh, shutting down the pipelines. Like he, like, like you said, a perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then I've also read stuff about this is like a distraction for China to then invade Taiwan. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of things can be true at once. Uh-huh. I think that they are in a good possession position to leverage their, their oil and gas, uh, right. especially to Europe. We're not necessarily dependent on Russia the way 
like Germany and France and England are, they're going to feel that before we are, but they're already feeling it because they already have refugees coming in from Ukraine. So I think that yes, it's going to, they're going to be paying a shit ton more for gas while this, while this is taking place. Um, I don't know that that's going to cause quite the blow that Putin originally thought that it would because they're watching it in real time. I don't think people are caring even at this point. I think people as as much. Right. But because, because when you're in Europe, when you're geographically located closer to this conflict than say we are over here in the States, if Putin will take this type of aggression towards Ukraine, what stops him from encroaching on the rest of Europe then? So I think for them, I think that yes, it's going to be painful to get through, but I also think the outcome is going to be more important to them than how, than the interim, than the the effects they feel right now. Right. And because I think this is blowing up in Putin's face faster than he thought it would, (laughs) I don't know that that squeeze on natural, because his economy collapsed so fast, Mm -hmm. he's going to have to start selling gas and oil again to mm-hmm. keep his country afloat. That's their biggest export. So right. it's, it, it was a mutual destruction thing that they had going, right? Like, right. yes, he put, Putin put $6 billion away to weather these sanctions, uh, what he anticipated would, it would cost his country with sanctions being imposed on him. I don't think $6 billion, $6 billion doesn't cover it though. Like right. you have, you have countries pulling all of their money out of the Russian stock market, which equates to $3 trillion. People are Six even taking, li- liquor stores are even taking the Russian vodka oh, yeah. off Russian the shelves. Vodka's going off shelves. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I don't think he anticipated the world response that he is receiving. And I also think China, if China acts now, I think initially they considered that this would have been a really good time to evade Taiwan. Now they're running the risk because everyone's everyone's paying attention to that part of the world right now. If they invade Taiwan now, they're going to be lumped together with China and they're going to be cut off immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're going to face the same type of repercussions that Russia does. So China's like, oh, we're good. <laughs> I think they were letting Russia do it first and see what happens. And now they're not going to proceed with that. Well, yeah. And I mean, China has also been wanting to invade Hong Kong. Like they want to take Hong Kong back. Hong Kong is the only area within China that's an independent um, Western state. And um, that pisses the Communist Party of China off. And they've wanted to take it back for a long time. And the um, protests that go on in there pretty frequently, they fly under the radar for the most part, pretty much the United States, but everyone's paying attention to that portion of the world right now. Everyone. And I think, I think it would be a grave miscalculation on their part. And Xi Jinping is, he's not dumb. He's Mm -hmm. not dumb. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to achieve world domination through money where Vladimir Putin, an ex KGB KGB agent thinks it's still one through force force. Yeah. And it's not anymore. It's information and technology. I have another question. (laughs) Um, what does it mean when it says because um yesterday sunday or today the putin put nuclear forces on high alert what does it what 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 does it mean when you put nuclear forces on high alert because i'm like to me that means like 
the motherfucker's got them pointed and in ready status, but I don't necessarily think that that's what that means. Is it a bluff? Like it means, so it means different things for different countries. So Uh you look at the United States and I would assume most other countries that have nuclear warheads operate this way. Nuclear warheads are always kind of on alert. <laughs> like mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they're never not, I mean, they're, they're the most dangerous things on the planet. You could wipe out right. humanity with right. them if you're not careful with them. So I think they're always kind of on alert. I think it's a, a warning jab. I think when countries say that they're saying, look, if we get back too much into a corner, we're not above launching our nuclear weapons. I think that's what he means. Um, I also think he won't. I think it's a bluff. I think he's trying to. So Putin, because Putin operates under the ideal that he wants to restore Russia's glory, Mm -hmm. um, firing on NATO countries If Putin fires his missiles, everyone will fire them at China. Everyone. Or, sorry, Russia. And there would be no Russia left. It would be a nuclear wasteland. It would take generations to grow a piece of fruit there ever again. It would take generations. His missiles would get taken out. At least a couple of our nukes would hit. And oh yeah, because he'd be fired on from a hundred different directions. Like right. he, he would, he can't. By the time he got a single shot off, everyone would fire on him. Everyone, and it would be. It, that's one of the reasons everyone hangs on to their nuclear warheads. Again, assured mutual destruction. Like I almost feel like, like you said, it's like he's backed into a corner and he's like pulling out his big guns literally and like hey don't forget i still have these mm-hmm. you know like i still but it's like fucker so do we mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't don't start doing that you know well, and we have we have aircraft in anti-missile technology and as soon as one would we have so many locations set up because of the nato alliance as soon as one was fired off, yeah, we'd, we'd decimate it midair. Now, if he shot a thousand off at once, we wouldn't get all of them. But that still doesn't change the fact that he would be hit a hundred times over. And that's not. Right. He's not going out like that. Like he, he would just, unless, I mean, I don't know, unless he has a psychology of. If I die, knows? I'm going down with the ship. I don't know. I don't know, but I can tell you this, when I went to where, so when I was in the Navy and I went to Japan where, and I went to, um, ground zero where we dropped the nuclear bombs and you read about it in history books and stuff. And it's like, we've all seen Pearl Harbor. Like we've all, we've all seen those movies. When I tell you, you don't fully understand the impacts of nuclear weapons till you set foot on a piece of land that has been hit by a nuclear weapon it brought tears to my eyes immediately. The destruction that just still lay bare 50 years later, mm-hmm. there's nothing that grows there. There's no animals. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing where we dropped that nuclear weapon. It was, it's not a proud moment as an American to see, right. I get it. They bombed us. I'm not going to hear to rehash world war two, but it's almost a technology that you could see if there were tra- time travelers, they would go back and unmake that. Right. Like it's, it has no place in human civilization. Right. But people we're not so old that we don't remember that now. Like they're mm-hmm. still 
people that have to live in those areas. So I don't know. I think it would be, I don't think Putin would do it. Um, and I hope I'm right about that just because I don't, Russia would be gone. It would never recover from that ever. And there'd be a lot of innocent lives lost. Most of Russia, but maybe it's my algorithms and the news that I read. Most of Russia right now from the people that I see are not even supporting Putin and what he's doing. They want nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I don't know if he wants to go down in the history book. He's a very proud man. Like very, very proud. And he's proud of Russia and he loves his country almost to a point where it's sick, like Mm -hmm. to love a piece of, I don't know, land that much. But um, do you want to be the guy that makes Russia no longer exist? Like, I don't, I just don't think that that's, Yeah. I, I don't know. It's the same reason that like North Korea, they're, they're scary. Their whole regime is terrifying and they're bouncing around with nuclear warheads and they're always starting to blow up the United States, but they don't because by the time they got one shot off, we, we would sink North Korea. North Korea would never be seen again. Like, right. Right. I just think Russia, I mean, obviously is a bigger threat than North Korea. For sure. You know, they have more to fire But the same idea stands, right? Like, yeah. Because you're because they're approaching this solo, they don't have the treaty alliance. They don't have countries all over the world set up to protect them. It's them. So they'd be hit from all sides. Everyone who had every country that had a nuclear weapon would fire it at China Russia. or at Russia. Russia. Now, is China backing Russia right now? Because I haven't heard anything about China. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are very close. And one could discern that they are together because they run the same type of authoritarian communistic regimes. So they have, it's good for them to be aligned because the last thing they want is democracy coming into their countries or democracy winning or the idea of democracy. So I don't know that they're, allies per se like i don't know that they have an agreement like hey if you get attacked we get attacked kind of thing right but it doesn't benefit china for russia to be unseated any more than it benefits or it doesn't benefit china for russia to be unseated any more than it benefits russia for china to be unseated they need each right. other because right. together they make up fucking 20 percent of the landmass in the world mm-hmm. so it's crazy man <laughs> It's not great, but I I don't, that's why I don't really worry so much about nuclear war. I don't think that would benefit. I don't think that would benefit Russia in any way. I freaking hope not. There's, there there was a live update on CNN about 30 minutes ago, talking about how Russia is invading Ukraine and just basically demolishing them. I don't know if anybody out there saw the videos of just the Russian tanks driving over civilian cars, almost killing them like unnecessary violence. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some of it's a mistake, like casualties of war, or whatever, but God damn, I don't, I'll be damned if some of it seems deliberate, <laughs> like just, and, and one of their bombs that hit the, uh, the school 
the kindergarten school. Yeah. I don't know if you saw uh, the two teachers were injured. Thank God. But the kids were in the building when it happened. Like it was, it's, it's, it's horrible. Kindergartners, little bitty babies, you know, you're talking about five-year-olds. It's, it's terrible. You kill one man, you're a murderer. You kill a million, you're a conqueror, you know? Uh, I hate it's that. It's one of the benefits, uh, harmful, traumatizing benefits of technology as it exists now is that the average citizen gets to bear witness to the brutality of war. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes people don't understand what it's like for... Um, our veterans, predominantly army and Marines to have witnessed the type of, um, just destruction, human destruction, lives lost, blood, bone crunching, people catching on fire, destruction that they've had to witness. And that they kind of write off their like PTSD as they were weak or, Mm -hmm. um, soft or whatever. Right. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize just how brutal war is and tanks running over cars and stuff. That's not new. That's what they're designed for. That's why tanks are there. So they they've been doing that since tanks existed and bombing schools. um, One of the reason you bomb schools is um, to weaken the morale of that country because now they're losing kids and that's their targets usually to Mm to, um, because then you're jarring soldiers' heads. They can't fight back because they've lost children. They've lost nieces, nephews, whatever Mm -hmm. that they're losing them. And then they, they start to question if it's worth it. So that's, that's how you shake the morale of a country. And I'm kind of glad that people are seeing it in real time. I wish it wasn't happening. Of course, I wish it wasn't happening, but I think it's good to see because when you get these assholes, um, especially in our country, because our, we're such trigger happy motherfuckers, when our first inclination so often is to just go in and take over, it's like, I don't think you know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't think you realize what it means to invade and take over. Or when they're like, oh, just drop some bombs on them. Bombs don't mm-hmm. work like that. <laughs> bombs, right. you don't drop a bomb from an aircraft to hit one person. You're decimating everything around it. Like war is brutal. It's brutal. Right. And yeah. um, I wish it wasn't happening, especially to a country that did nothing to provoke this. They didn't do anything. But I think it's good to see. And I'm glad it's happening to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's coming back on him. Yeah. He's, he's facing consequences for him mm-hmm. that would, that are going to matter to him, mm-hmm. you know, people turning on him, his economy, his own people turning on him. I mean, 58%, like you said, the depression was 25. You're talking double and almost a half, a double and a third. Well, I'm like, so the American, um, so our, how our stock market works is we have something called the circuit breaker. So if we ever dip below 5%, we automatically shut down. It will not, we won't let anyone buy, sell anything. It shuts down at 5%. Um, so to 58% in four days is, it's going to take generations to rebuild that wealth. Uh, we did get a comment of why don't we just go in and assassinate Putin? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few schools of thought on that. 
One, you, you run the risk of making him a martyr to the supporters he still does have. Two, because Ukraine is not actually a NATO nation, if we were to go in um, and kill him, mm-hmm. we would then be violating our own treaties with getting involved in a non-NATO country. Mm-hmm. And two or three, um, it's like a cancer. And if you don't cut it out at its core, it's just going to pop back up. We saw it with terrorism, right? Like killing Osama bin Laden felt good to people, but it didn't get rid of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Like his ideals don't go away just because you kill Putin. And I, and I, I personally think he's fucking, Hey, let me tell you something. If the president of Ukraine has a clear shot, he should take it because <laughs> I think the world would applaud him. Uh-huh. But I have a feeling, unlike uh, the president of Ukraine, I think Vladimir Putin's hiding in a bunker somewhere, much like Trump did during the protest, scared for his life, whereas the Ukraine president is out in the foxholes fighting with his people like a fucking king from old times. God, <laughs> like, yeah, like a Viking. Yeah, like a Viking fucking Game of Thrones he's, shit there. Yeah. He's leading the march. <laughs> like a fucking Viking. I mean, so, how empowering for his people, though, to have their president down in the trenches with them. Like, holy shit. When's the last time something like that happened? I think it was like something I read, I want to say it was in the 1920s. The last time somebody of his stature went and even attempted and he's actually doing the shit out there with a rifle his vest on he's got some clips on i'm like god damn yeah. I'll, I'll go to ukraine and support you like oh, there, there are people in europe requesting to go fight for ukraine right now so um there is a swath of um c- civilians and some military that are are volunteering to go fight with ukraine um Part of the problem is NATO doesn't permit that, but we have had a few security advisors say, we're not sanctioning it. We're not sending you, but we're not going to stop you from going. So that loophole of we're not sending troops, troops are going on their own. Well, yeah, yeah, they're going because they're choosing to go. So they're getting around it that way. The other thing I did want to touch on was um, Joe Biden being president in this moment. And listen, it's not a secret. I don't fucking simp Joe Biden. Like he's, he's fine. I don't, I don't have a huge crush on him. I don't worship him. Like he's not, I don't have stickers that say Biden anywhere in my house. Like I, I voted for him for sure. I voted for him. And you know what? I'm fucking glad I did in this moment because if Trump were in office, that then I would be more concerned about nuclear war. Um, mm. I'd be very concerned about it. And I think that we would have pulled out of NATO. I was going to say, who knows what Trump, he'd be supporting fucking Russia. I think we would have unstabilized the world because if America he is supporting Russia, sorry, yeah. he, he's saying he's smart. Yeah. If we were to back out of NATO now, that would leave a huge opening for Vladimir Putin to control the East if he wanted to. And I, I think that, mm-hmm. um, Here's the things I like that Joe Biden has done. Um, number one, as soon as we started getting intelligence, we started sharing it with all of NATO, which I think was super important. It reestablished trust. It reaffirmed our place of leadership in uh, NATO. It showed that like, hey, this is what we know. I want everyone to know and let's all get behind it. 
He started sharing facts with the American public immediately Mm -hmm. so that people would start getting invested and figure out what's going on and start paying attention to that area. So that when we started imposing sanctions, I guess I like that he assumed that we were smart enough to be able to have that conversation with. And even though it cost him some political capital from the Republicans hating on him at the time, like, oh, sanctions, blah, blah, blah. I think it was the right thing to do. I do. I think he did the right thing. Um, I also appreciate that he, even though Russia went on their like alert status for nuclear warfare, Joe Biden said, we're not doing that. If we do that, we unstabilize the world. We heard you, Russia. We're not worried about it. Like, you know what we have. Mm. Do what you're going to do and see what happens. Like right. he wasn't, he wasn't a, fr- he didn't immediately pull out his dick and he say, wasn't provoking. Right. He, he wasn't he, poking the damaged bear, the hurt. Right. Bear. Like, he, he was just like, okay, well I see you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'm going to let you think about it. We'll circle back. I'm going to table this. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to put a pin in it. How about that? He just, he didn't have the immediate response of pull out his own dick to measure it against Putin's, which I appreciate because that's not what we need right now. Because let me tell you something, us and Russia hold 90% of the world's nuclear war warheads. Mm-hmm. If those two countries start pointing their warheads everywhere, it's going to freak a lot of people out. A lot of people. So I'm freaked out. I yeah. mean, I, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I'm freaked out about it. I, I ordered gas masks today on uh, Amazon. <laughs> so I, they weren't sold out. Do you get doggy <laughs> ones too? No, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, surely they have dog ones. I haven't, they have masks. I don't know if they do, but I, I just, I appreciate either. that he had a measured tempered response to that and didn't immediately have a knee jerk reaction of, of dick whipping out. Um, also, I appreciate that he has said, no, we are going to implement sanctions on you. Like you have never fucking seen. And mm-hmm. I don't care what it does to the economy. And I don't care if it costs me reelection. It's the right thing to do. So those are the things that like make me one, feel good that Biden's in president Two, for the first time in his presidency, make me proud that he's my president. I mean, I haven't been like embarrassed of him, but he's just like, whatever. He's, he's old. I'm, I'm not worried about the world blowing up. Like, but this right. is the first time I was like, yeah, fuck him. And we will do the right thing. And we should do the mm-hmm. right thing. And I'm glad he's taking some leadership in NATO again, because that's what the world needs. So Although I'm not like a hardcore fucking Biden supporter, I think he has handled this incredibly well, very, very well. And um, he has, you know, a lifetime of dealing with Vladimir Putin. He's had he's been in the public arena or in the political arena for 40, 50 years. So he knows exactly who he's dealing with. And he it's kind of like Hillary Clinton, the way she would talk about Vladimir Putin. He's a bully, which is what. Hillary Clinton said, who you have to stand up to when you have to keep in his place or he will run over everybody. And um, Biden treats him like that. And also like, we're not fucking scared of you, bro. Make mm-hmm. all your threats, run all of your bullshit. We're not, you're not taking down NATO. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a thing that you, Vladimir Putin are not dismantling NATO. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thank fucking God Trump's not in office. Uh, I, I really, I, I'm going to touch on what you said. I really appreciated when he, um, addressed the public uh, by, I want to say it was like Wednesday or Thursday. 
And it was the breaking news when he was like, yes, we think Russia is going to attack mm. Ukraine. And, and I appreciate that too. Like he shared, like you said, he was sharing information with us and he wasn't, it was questions being asked from um, the media that was in there. It wasn't like on his speech thing. Mm-hmm. Like he actually said on his own, he's like, yes, yes, I do think that. And I thought, I, I agree. I thought that was really cool. I'm like, thank you for like keeping everybody informed. So you, you don't learn about it on CNN. You know, yeah. we, we heard about it or Fox news or whatever. Like we heard about it from our own leader. Right. And, and letting us know what the fuck was going on with everything. Cause everybody knew it was going on, but like, wasn't sure. And yeah. then he said that and it was like, well, fuck it's happening. And the next, I think it was the next morning. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. And it's, it's, it started blowing he up. He didn't let everywhere. us get blindsided. No. Yeah. It, it was. So yeah, I, I appreciated that too, that he did that. And I'm not. I don't love Biden. I also voted for him. Um, he's was way lesser of the two evils. Yeah. And again, yeah, I'm happy. It's not Trump's dumbass who's sitting there saying that he thinks Putin is smart and doing the right thing. How, how could you possibly support what he's doing to these people? What do you like, think of the um, group, large swaths of Republicans that are actually supporting what Putin's doing, saying that he has a right to, and that Ukraine used to be part of Russia. And like, we have no business telling Putin what to do. And I think that those are the idiots that are not thinking for themselves and that are just listening to Trump Mm -hmm. and listening to the far right people that are all jumping on the same little tiny bandwagon they have. I mean, I, I'm honestly not paying a lot of attention to them. I think they're just misguided and stupid because the rest of the world I don't think except for those extremists I think the rest of the world like you said is not on board with it and is giving everybody a common enemy I mean I I have friends that are Trump supporters and and do you know have supported that entire regime but are like that's fucked up so I don't I, I think it's a very small percentage of people and I just think that they're all on, on their little Trump bandwagon, just following right along, just agreeing with anything he says without any type of, and it shows their lack of humanity, um, who they are really deep down, because it, any type of decent person that knows anything about what's been going on in the world in the last five, six years is not, should not be on board with what Putin is doing to Ukraine. It makes absolutely no sense. Other than that, he wants more. It's not about Ukraine. It's about way more than that for it's about him. power. Yeah, it's power. It's, um, I don't want to say like jealousy, but losing control. It, it is. It's like that boyfriend that's like, it's that controlling. I don't even want to say boyfriend. It could be girlfriend, ex-spouse who's overly controlling and can't handle that. You know, you're things are moving forward in life. Like, and I don't think he was expecting, like you said, the backlash of people have TikToks and Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and the world communicates now. Like we we don't need you to tell us how to think. We don't need any one person to dictate how we feel about something. We can see it for ourselves live Mm -hmm. and form our own opinions of it. And I think Putin has, you, you said it perfectly. He downplayed that in his mind because he doesn't do it. He didn't realize how many people, how huge social media is 
and that people are not going to be okay with that shit. Those, those little idiots that, oh, we agree with them. Uh, okay. <laughs> all, all, all 2% of you, like what the fuck ever, dude. Uh, then please go to Russia. Yeah. Go ahead. Go. The other question um, that we got, and I'm sorry, I don't have your name in front of me. It doesn't matter. Um, was a question of that you have a seven and a nine year old and how, um, what we thought about the best way to approach talking to kids about what was going on in the world right now. And I put a lot of thought into this because, well, I have a kid, everyone knows that. Um, and I kind of thought if he was seven or eight, how I would want him to view it. And I think the only thing that you can, because there's only so much they can comprehend at that age too, right? They have, they don't have a huge concept of geopolitical warfare or the veracity at which power corrupts human beings and and they don't have the capacity to understand the long history of Russia and Ukraine and all these things. And I'm not saying kids aren't smart. They are. Um, But I think the best thing you can talk to them about at this point is um, compassion and humanity and what it means um, to be good neighbors and what it means. You could talk to them about the essence of what NATO is that a long time ago, the world got in a really big fight. And because there were uh, areas of the planet that were not able to protect themselves, they all kind of grouped together and they decided that if anyone picked on them, they would team up and, and fight whatever source that was and talk to them about how sometimes doing the right thing is going to cost us money. It's going to cost us comfortability. It's going to cost us certain things, but we should do that because that's what's important. Being compassionate, being empathetic, caring about people that you may never meet in your entire life. Um, I think, I think that's what I would talk to my son about if it came down to it. I don't think I would need to expose him to Vladimir Putin's evilness or the bloodshed, but just kind of say, I think bully is a really good way to put it. Like Julie talked about that. There's a bully that's picking on a country right now that didn't do anything to start it and that the world is kind of coming to their defense because it's, it's the right thing to do and it's going to cost people money. And for some, it's going to cost them less space in their country because we're going to have refugees and, Um, it's going to cost us some mental anguish because we're going to be dealing with people now, another generation, uh, of Ukrainians, um, in parts of Eastern Europe that have dealt with the trauma of watching kindergartners get blown up. Like, don't put that part in, but I I think it's a good time to, to discuss what it really means to be human and the good parts about it and the bad parts about it and the parts that um, they're going to need to understand to be decent adults in this world, because one day they're going to be in charge. And um, what kind of values you would like to see them lead with, as opposed to what's being led with now. So I hope we bring in all of the refugees from Ukraine and all the Ukrainians, because if their leader is any type of moral compass as to how his people are, I want all of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I bring them all here. You know? <laughs> Shit, they can move in with me. 
Uh, I heard another thing um, that was good. Um, a different podcast I listened to said that since this started, one of the first things they went out and bought for their child, um, they have three kids in their house, was a globe so that they could actually see like where this is taking place and how far it is away from us. Cause that eases some fear sometimes, because there's a lot of things being thrown around world war three, like all this stuff. And if they're able to actually see on a globe and trace their fingers over like where these areas are and kind of not just on a flat map, because that doesn't really give us a good perspective on our location, their location, anything like that, but a globe. Um, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be purchasing one here soon for, plus it's good for kids. We had a globe when we were kids, Joel, like I I spun it around in my room all the time. Yeah. I think it's good for people to be kids to be able to start seeing that America isn't the world. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of world out there. (laughs) And how close it actually is to us Mm -hmm. on a flat map, uh, Russia, China, everything looks really far when you actually put it in a circle. Oh, you can see Russia from Alaska. Yeah, it's yeah. not that far away. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a good idea, giving them a visual of exactly where this is all happening. Well, at. and I'm not trying to be like all touchy feeling and weird about saying like teach talking to them about compassion, and empathy with this, but I think that's the only thing you, I think that's the only thing their brains can really grasp, mm-hmm. like. If they have siblings, hey, if you saw your sibling getting picked on, how would that make you feel? Like mm-hmm. it's talk to them about stuff they can relate to. Don't try to bring too big of concepts or too big of emotions in because that can freak them out. Right. So right. Try to find things you can relate to. Do you do you agree with people that are comparing Putin to Hitler? Um, I think he's more like Stalin than Hitler. Yeah. I think Hitler was purely run by like he wanted a supreme race where i think yeah. stalin wanted complete domination so i think i think uh putin is much more like stalin both were evil terrible fucking men stalin right. didn't have concentration camps but he killed everyone on site so i think right. that's i think i think putin much like stalin doesn't give a shit what you look like he'll kill you if you don't if you aren't loyal to him Right. So, um, and I think Hitler would too, but it's less about race and more about just overall dominance. Yeah. Power. Power. Yeah. Totally. So I think he's much more in line with Stalin, but I don't think they're too far off. Like Hitler wanted the world to be an Aryan white race. He, he would eventually wanted to take over everywhere. Like, I think those were his ambitions. I think Mm -hmm. he just went about it. He led with race. Right. So, well, he went about it all fucked up and wrong. Well, but, yeah. can't, can't fix crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. But we're seeing it in real time now. I mean, I think they're all cut from the same cloth. And I know people think I'm hyperbolic when I say it, but I think Trump is cut from that cloth too. I think he, I think he goes on pure power. And well, more than power, I think his is money. money. I think he wants to be the richest and he'll step on whoever the fuck he has to to get it. And he doesn't care, which is why he lies so freely and so willy nilly because. Why not? It gets him what he wants. People believe him. The people that are loyal to him believe him. And look, you you watch him do it. He makes everyone the enemy that even questions him. So I think to if him, he were in a different country, he'd be just as dangerous. To him, money equals power. Well, and it does. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No, money makes the world go round. Yep. That's true. I think they're all cut from the same cloth. But I do, there's a lot of similarities between Putin and Stalin. 
it's it's frightening. Stalin doesn't get as much fucking activity as Hitler because they existed at the same time. But Stalin was brutal, brutal. Mm-hmm. So I need to do some research on him. Like I know who he is, but I haven't like Joseph dove Stalin. into it. Like I have World War Two. Mm-hmm. Mussolini. I have to look. I have to look into that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Stuff like that's Evil heavy men. for me to watch, though. I have to like do stuff like that in increments. Like I love learning about World War Two, but it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. It's like, man. Yeah, but if you don't learn about it, you you don't know how to see it coming. Like right. you don't know how to identify it. I saw this one uh, TikTok and. I don't care. I'm over telling people that I didn't see it on TikTok. I saw it on fucking TikTok. There was this, um, there's a lot of smart people on TikTok, man. There's a lot of smart people. There is. And um, there was this, uh, oh, now I lost my total train of thought on it. We were talking about Stalin, Trump, power. Yeah, it'll it's come awesome back to me. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I forget what he was talking about. There is oh, a- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was saying, um, he was like, look, Guys, it's come to that point. We had Stalin, we had Mussolini, we had Hitler, we had Ayatollah. We had like, he just was naming it like Alexander the Conqueror, like Alexander the Great, all these people. He goes, it's time. We are not, we need to turn over all world power to women (laughs) or (laughs) before anything happens, it needs to be cleared by a group of three women. (laughs) (laughs) We get, men cannot be trusted to make decisions like this anymore on their own. Like we are destroying humanity and I'm laughing, but he was, he seemed pretty fucking serious and he has a whole series on his TikTok page about it. Like how, how different the world would be had we started as like a matriarchal society instead of a patriarchal society. And he was just like, we, cause you even, you see it in the, the videos of like that woman who's handing even some like those um, wildflower seeds to the Russian soldiers. We're like, when you die, I want flowers to spring from your body. <laughs> like It's just the other thing I thought was real cool about Ukraine. I mean, it's not funny. It's 100% not funny, but I'm like, fuck, they're clever, man. Cause they're not, they're not guided by all these like super hardcore military principles. They took down all of their um, highway signs that like led to major cities. And they posted ones that just said, good luck. I fucking <laughs> love that so much. <laughs> I, I tell you what, this stuff, I, I'm, I, I hate that this is happening to them, Ooh. but it has made me learn and look into so much about ukraine and how they live and the people again are posting on tiktok they're posting on social media and i'm like that's a really cool fucking country Mm -hmm. man like they're they're really they're people i really like ukraine yeah like it's just from there of course she is my love of my life (laughs) (laughs) anytime she's ready to leave ashton i'm ready to go so sure sure you're number one on the list (laughs) of course she's from ukraine You write that down. <laughs> I am actually. I put it in my notes. <laughs> uh, all right. What are you obsessed with this week? I got to do my my thing. Oh yeah. Sorry. 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 Okay. So, for anybody out there that's interested, our web telescope is doing extremely well. Everything has gone great. They are currently right now. So when they launch a telescope into space, going through the atmosphere and all of the obviously power it has to use, they heat up a lot. And so they are currently getting our telescope down to, um, it's 120, it's called Kelvins. 
mm-hmm. um, in space talk, what that actually means is they need it to get down to negative 244 degrees to start functioning properly how they need it to in space. Once they get it there, it's going to be over the next few weeks. Um, the Webb telescope has 18 mirrors on it that they are going to start aligning and getting into focus so that it can start seeing bigger things there. So currently they are getting ready. Once it's cooled down, they're going to focus on star. It's called HD 84406. I've tried every app to try to find this star. Um, If anybody out there has something better that they use, let us know because I want to find this star so bad. So once they do that, um, once it cools down, they're going to align the mirrors, which is going to give the telescope light and be able to see further. Um, This is going to take a little bit. It's going to take, you know, two, three weeks just for it to cool down. Aligning it is going to take a few more weeks after that, but they're going to, they're going to be able to get 18 different images it's going to be kind of blurry. And then that's when they're going to actually dial in and and focus it in to get our very first clear image from the web telescope. Um, so cooling it, it will happen over the next month. Um, How long does it take to get an image from web back to us? You know, I'm not, I have no idea. I've, I've, I've been looking, I've been following it. Um, I'm sure that's a question somewhere on here. If anybody wants to look into this, you can go to nasa.gov and they have a link where you can um, click on the web telescope and you can actually go to updates on everything on it. You can actually go see, it's, it's not a live feed. It's a computer generated scope of the web and exactly where it's at in our in our solar system and what it's doing and what angle it's facing in um that is a really good question i would imagine at least a few days right like it's not email no it's not and it's not instant so i i I would imagine at least a couple days it takes for the information i think that's why this takes so long because they're having to send signals to the telescope to do certain things and to function a certain way. And, and it takes time, you know, we're, we're, they're not dealing in, you're in space, you're not dealing in real time. So that's a good question. I will have an answer for you by next podcast. I hope so. But <laughs> I will. But if anybody's interested, go to nasa.gov. You can literally follow the web telescope real time. They're also getting ready to launch a new satellite um, Uh, They're having a briefing about it on Monday and they are launching it on Tuesday. Um, The web is just so much cooler because it's a telescope and it's the best telescope we have in the air right now. And everything on it is just going better than planned. Isn't it true? We're going to be able to like the pictures we see those stars, the pictures we're taking then are like, what it looked like when the dinosaurs were alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like that's time travel. <laughs> Another thing too, that I think is really cool. Um, that I, cause we skipped a week is the space hotel. Oh yeah. 
that they're planning on having. I don't believe it's going to be in 2027. No, we talked about it. Remember, it sent Aaron into a fucking tizzy. Oh, that's right. She doesn't want to go to space. That. Like, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's gonna make her go to space. Yeah, no one's gonna go to space, Aaron. Yeah. Nobody's paying for you to go to space. Okay, yeah, we did talk about the, the hotel. But the app on NASA.gov about the Webb telescope is really freaking cool because you it, it'll tell you exactly what it's doing, exactly where it's at temperature-wise. It gives you live updates if you go there. So I thought that was really cool. What are you obsessed with? I hadn't even thought about this yet. All right, I'll go first. Yeah, go first. I bit the bullet and I watched Euphoria. Oh, um, you didn't binge it, did you? Yeah. Are you depressed? No. Okay. <laughs> so here's here's the thing. I when it first came out, like I tried watching an episode and I was like, ah, this is too dark. I can't do it. But then when I was like, God, everyone's always fucking talking about it. I want to be part of the conversation. I watched a few and I was like, oh, like Rue's actually funny and like it's. It's dark, but it wasn't as dark as I originally thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so big fan now, big fan. I'm all caught up. It's such a good. Um, I ended up really liking certain characters that I wasn't expecting to like. Which ones do you like? Well, I, I'm a big fan of Fez. Um, I'm a big fan of obviously Rue. I'm pulling for Rue. I was a fan. I'm a fan of Jules. I'm not a fan of Jules and Rue together. Um. I think that Rue's too, I think Jules is too like big of a personality for her. Have you watched Um, all of them? Yeah. Okay. Um, And you know what? Even the little clique of girls, I was kind of like, they were a lot at first, but I'm like, I dig them. Like they all have their own shit that I like. Yeah. And I feel for all of them. And like, Uh even the ones that originally I thought were kind of superficial, I don't think they are like they do. This show's really good at doing like in-depth character analysis, which I appreciate. Um, I like how each episode kind of focuses on a different character and Mm -hmm. really hones in on them. Um, it broke my heart a lot to see the little sister going through Rue's. Um, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert for anyone. Oh my God, if you haven't watched it yet, um, <laughs> it broke my heart a little bit. But then I was like, I'm glad they're showing it because I don't think they focus enough on like the effects of family members with stuff like this. They often focus on how hard it is for the addict, uh, which yeah. of course it is, but. I had never considered what if you had like a 13 year old also living in the house and like, I've read the comments about, um, they think, well, they're supposed to be teenagers and they're always having sex and stuff. Yeah. Get over yourselves, man. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Like, I don't know. I don't personally think teenagers are having sex that often, or at least not like as non scared as they are in that show. But I don't know. I think it adds to the drama of the whole thing. Like it doesn't bother me. I'm I'm going to say the opposite. And I think that if people do not think that that is happening, they are naive. I think they're having sex, but I don't think, I don't think teenagers are as, um, I think there's a lot more mental anguish over sex than what this show shows for teenagers having sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing it. But I don't think they're, I think there's a lot more doing it because they feel like they're supposed to or have to or to be cool or like whatever. They're not so sexually driven. 
especially yeah, the I girls. Guess that's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's... They're not, they're not as sexually charged as right. they're trying to make it seem. Yeah. I, I also really liked on this last episode, I can't wait to watch the finale, um, of how the mom was like, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, I felt that mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like good for you. She's like, this is affecting your sister. Do you know that she's going through this and this and that like Rue, fuck it. Like yeah. if you, if you want to get high and kill yourself and ruin your life, do it. I yeah. was like, there you go. Well, she saved her first, right? She helped her well, yeah, and then she, was like, now that you're sober again, right. I'm, I'm done. And it's seriously fucking up your little sister. Yeah. Like I have to, she's savable. You, I've, I, when she said, if I have to, if I have to choose between losing one of you or two of you, I'm going to save her. Like she's done everything she can possibly do for Rue. Rue and everybody loves Rue. Like that's when they were were doing this, when they were doing the skit and Rue's (laughs) the like. (laughs) I love that. So I love that she didn't get mad. I love that she was, and as much as like that one mom, the one who drinks a lot of wine. I love her. When she was in the stand, she's like, that's me. I was so glad that she just embraced it and didn't like freak out about it. I was like, yeah. And I'm glad Lexi's finally getting her like moment to shine in the whole Uh thing. In that part where she's like, is this about us? Yeah, <laughs> so funny because <laughs> I've seen it on TikTok a hundred times. Like, is yeah. this what about us? Yeah. But yeah, big fan of Euphoria now. Um, it's such a good show. Oh my god, uh, Zendaya is such an incredible actress. Like, I'm oh. blown away by her age and just her capabilities. Like, I like that they don't show her um ever naked like i know it's in her contract but i'm glad they have one that's kind of like protected from that i think it adds to her innocence in a way so that's why it's almost more disheartening when you see her fall because she's the one that they've kind of protected this whole time from that Mm -hmm. exposure so if she she does not win every award she's the youngest person to ever win an academy award and she won for that show or not an academy award an emmy she is just, she gives me chills just thinking mm-hmm. about how insanely talented she is. So Euphoria is such a dark, uh, it, like it, it, it's dark, funny, it, it, it's, it's everything. It brings out how incredible she is and her supporting actors mm-hmm. and actresses. They're yeah. all phenomenal also. Like, yeah, there's not she, a bad actor on that show. No, not a single one. Th- th- they are all so I like the good. arc they took with Cal. At first, you thought he was going to be all dark, all sadistic. And then you're like, oh, no, this is your trauma response. Like he has issues. Yeah. And when he, he went into the house. Oh, my God. That shit was the best scene. So that, good. That scene. <laughs> you're like, he's like handing out fuck yous to everybody <laughs> and, and so fucking drops the mic and bounces i'm like so oh good my god so good well what i liked about him was is like jacked up as he is they still did a good way of showing how he in his own way cared about his children totally. and had regrets about what his actions did to them so um yeah, I just, I'm a big fan. I think it's a, I think it's a real good show. So that's what I'm obsessed with. 
I, I, I'm glad you watched it. I think that it would be hard to binge watch just because there's, well, I did it over like three weeks. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't it, a weekend it, thing. I binge watched season, um, one through two. I remember afterwards I was like, Oh, this well, is- when I say binge, I have a three-year-old. Listen, the only thing I binge is in like a three-week period. I don't, unless right. you count fucking Spidey and friends that's on all day, every Saturday. Yeah. Um, something I'm obsessed with. It's kind of off topic. Uh, the new, it's not a new video game. It's the Witcher video game. Mm-hmm. It's an old game. So it's a little bit more 2015, 2014 which I know doesn't seem old to me, but it is a video game world. Yeah. So it's a little bit glitchy. It got voted video game of the year back then. I don't know if you watch the Witcher, this, this video game and you play video games is like probably one of the best video games I've ever played. Not like Fortnite. Cause obviously that's good. Like it's just, you know, Fortnite's just different. It's a different platform. Mm. This is an actual story mode game um assassin's creed it reminds me of assassin's creed a lot um it's it's a it's a live map like a real world game so you can do side quests and stuff like that it's a really really good game and i've been spending it's actually taken me off of Fortnite, and i'll sit down and want to play the witcher instead it, it it took me like a day to get into it which for me a day of playing if I don't have to get interrupted with work and stuff, it's it's about six to eight hours of playtime on and off. It took me about that long to get into it, but you can cast spells. Um, the storyline is really, really good. You're like, and it, it involves all the same characters. If you watch The Witcher, it involves Siri, it involves uh, Yennefer. It has all of the same characters in it as the show does. And it's really, really good. Um, so if you're into video games, that is what I have been obsessed with here lately. And it's actually seriously taken me off of Fortnite and Call of Duty. I'm going to have to check it out because Assassin's Creed's my favorite. I mean, I play Fortnite with you, but I don't play it otherwise. But I, yeah. I love, I can get sucked into Assassin's Creed. I'm going to install another TV in the house so I can finally get my TV you need back. To. <laughs> I know. I know. Fucking, I was reminded of that today when we put on Lincoln's show this morning and Lex and I were eating breakfast and he goes, put on surround sound. And I'm like, this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's not your TV, bro. You don't need to watch Peppa Pig in surround sound. <laughs> <sighs> well, the thing about the winter though, that you have to get past that is an older game. So like the smoothness of it, yeah, it's not like it's not like the new Assassin's Creed where it flows really well. Like the graphics aren't great, but the storyline of it is fantastic. And it, it, just the whole how how they have the whole thing set up is really good. And it's not it doesn't flow as well. Assassin's Creed's always going to be one yeah. of my most favorite gigs, except for the Vikings one. They totally right. Odyssey was unbelievable though. Like it they was so fucking good. botched Vikings yeah. though. Yeah, like they, they, completely... they had such a good opportunity oh. with Vikings and they fucked it up. Yeah. They complete Odyssey. That is the best game hit. So if Odyssey's a 10, I would give the Witcher an eight and a half. 
Wow. It, okay. It's 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 pretty good. If if The Witcher was if they would come out with a newer one that kind of flowed better, um, it would be a ten. Interesting. It's just, the graphics aren't as great. As, yeah. But great game, and that's what I've been obsessed with here this week. Well, have a good week, everyone. Stay out of trouble. Make good choices. Fuck Putin. Fuck Putin. <laughs> have the best day available to you. Mm, good advice. Goodbye. Bye. Fierce Fan Media.